We already did four, which was the storm and Joshua and Jonah. This is the story of Jesus casting out demons and sending them into the pigs. Jesus came to the other side. They came to the other side of the sea. This is Mark chapter five, verse one, to the country of the Gerasenes. Now my Bible has a footnote. I don't know about yours. Always, always pay attention to footnotes. Footnotes are so, so important. What does your footnote say? Now, what I think is funny is our Bibles. Some manuscripts have Gadarenes. Others have the Gergesenes. A lot of them have Gerasenes. How is there this much confusion? Go to a map and find the place. Where'd he go? He went to Gerasa. How hard is this? It's like, uh, and then he went to Indianapolis. Indianapolis? Oh, my. oh, did you hear that, by the way? Indianapolis? Indianapolis, it's the city of Indiana. Yeah, it's the city of Indiana. So um, he goes to Indianapolis and it's like, oh, well, who knows where Indianapolis is? What would you tell the guy? It's on the map. It's right there. What's funny is like, Mark's like, well, you know, they went to the country of the Gerasenes. And our Bibles are like, well, Gerasenes or Gadarenes or Gergesenes or Flupanines or Bapadus or I don't know what it is. They just went somewhere. It's just funny that there's this much confusion. In Hebrew, however, <laughs> there's a word, gerus. It means divorced, cut off, separated. And how do you make a word plural? Ad im. He went to the land of the gerusim. He went to the cut-off ones, the divorced ones, the, the ones that are going to hell. Yeah, yeah, those guys. We don't even say Decapolis as a Hebrew. I don't want to say Decapolis because the word Decapolis is filthy. And it'll make my mouth dirty. And then I'll have to go do mikvah and get all ceremonial clean. I don't even say Decapolis. I just refer to those dirtbags over there, those God-haters, as the divorced ones the cutoff ones. Mm. So that's where Jesus is heading, right? They came to the other side. Who's they? I think Jesus and the disciples were in the boat. I don't think the Pharisees and the Torah teachers were in there. That's not that, that's not, that's not who he was taking with him. So um, I think it means expelled. I think it's the gerosim. And, and that's why our translators who didn't consult with Jews, but may have consulted with a dictionary or something else that, well, he probably went to Gergesa. No, I went to Gerasa. No, I went to Gadara. It's like, ask a Jew and they will tell, oh, he went to, it's not a place, it's a people. He went to a people, not a place. That's why it's not on the map. It's a people. So, a man, let's read this story. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, Guys, he's got one leg over the side of the boat. Dunk. He put one toe in Satan's house. And immediately there met him out of the tombs. Where are tombs? Where do you find tombs? In a cemetery. In a cemetery. Cool. So he met them not out of the tomb, out of the tombs. This guy comes running out of a cemetery. A man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could 
I'm sorry, I can't see that word. What is it? Bind him. Wait, Mark 3, Jesus said, before I do anything, I got to bind Satan. Mark is trying to set up here. This guy is, who's the strongest superhero in the Marvel Universe? Okay, he's setting up Hulk. And I'm not kidding you. He's making this man to be the Incredible Hulk. Who's going to walk up to Hulk and punch him in the face and knock him out? Nobody. (laughs) He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. By the way, you can't get any bigger and stronger than a chain in Jesus' day. It's like a chain's made out of iron. You couldn't even bind this guy with a chain. What? Oh, he'd often been bound key on that word. He'd been bound before by other people with shackles and chains, but he wrenched those chains apart. I mean, this guy had superhuman strength. He wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. You and I reading this are supposed to be like, that's the incredible Hulk. We're dead. Jesus is a goner. Jesus is five foot five. He's a skinny rabbi. And here comes the Incredible Hulk. He's dead. He's going to just squish him. That's what we're supposed to think because we don't know the end of the story. We're reading it like, uh, um, no one had the strength to subdue or bind him. Mark wants you and me, the reader, to know, forget it. Nobody can bind this guy. Jesus taught a couple chapters earlier, well, before we go into Satan's house, we've got to bind him up. (laughs) Got to tie him up. He's a strong man. Come tie him up. And they're like, okay. So Mark says, yeah, impossible. But listen to this. This is so cool. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out. Okay, guys, that wasn't like, ah. I'm not going to scream, but he's screaming. Screaming all the time. Can you imagine living in the village that's half a kilometer away? And you just hear, not a wolf, you hear a guy screaming, blood-curdling screams all night long, and you think, geez, I wish he'd shut up. I hate that guy, right? Man, you would be for the first six months, but then you'd be like, really? Seriously? Just shut up, right? What else was he doing? And he was cutting himself with stones. See, that that was interesting to me. I I had to look into that and I thought, the guy's possessed by an evil spirit. Does he know he's possessed? Is the real him still in there somewhere? I think so. Because I think when you're possessed, you still know you're you, but you don't have any more control. You take a backseat window view and you're just kind of looking through a window in your own mind and you're watching yourself do things you would never do. I think that's why he was cutting himself because I think the mentality back then was I need to get this stuff out of me. How do you get him out? Maybe I can just cut him out, bleed him out. For crying out loud, back in the 1800s, they would drill holes in people's skulls that had migraines all the way to the brain called trephining so that the oxygen would hit their brain directly and it would give them a sense of euphoria. They'd get, ah, they'd get high. Of course they'd die from infection and other things because you just made a hole right to your brain. But yeah, we thought 
sticking leeches on people that had open wounds was a good thing. We, ble- we bleed them out. Put butter on it. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Cover up that wound with butter. And it's like we did all kinds of stuff. I think the guy's cutting himself to say, get these things out of me. He breaks my heart for about a month. And then I'm going to be like, same like those people, shut up. I can never go to good night's rest. This guy's constantly screaming. I wish something would happen to him, you know, <laughs> accident. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. Hmm. And when he saw Jesus from a long way off, he ran Stop. Don't even get to he fell down. He ran at him. What would you do? You're the disciples. You're Jesus. You go like this. And you're like, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Right? As this guy, oh, he's got hair everywhere. He's totally naked, Matthew says. Not a shred of clothes. So not only is he, whoa, hey, his hair is everywhere. He's bloody. He's one big walking scab and bruise and infection, open wounds with, with pus and everything. He's disgusting. He's screaming. He's ugly. His eyes have a satanic fire to them. And he's screaming as he's running towards you. Does Mark want to set this guy up as a impossible foe? I'm telling you what, oh my gosh, I'm scared to death right now. And he fell down before him and he screamed in a loud voice what have you to do with me jesus son of the most high god right it's except it's in that demon voice you know something like that i adjure you by god do not torment me for jesus was already saying not screaming jesus was already saying to him Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. <laughs> I like to say it like that because it's such a contrast between what have you to do with Jesus? Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. You just knocked that off right now. Shh, quiet down. Now, he didn't sound like a wimp. He just went, come out of that man. You unclean spirit, come out right now. This is so awesome. And Jesus asks him, hey, what's your name? <laughs> Let's talk. Where are you from? How you doing? No, I'm kidding. It turns out that the Catholic Church does not own the market on exorcism. Because the Jews have been doing it for a lot longer than the Catholics have. For Jewish exorcists, most techniques included interviewing the demon or dibuk. To interview the demon. Now, I'm not talking about, hi, now, where are you from? Good. How many parents? Still alive? Yeah. Brothers and sisters? That's not what he means by interview. This is through incantations and, and water and all this kind of ceremonial stuff. They are interviewing the demon. Who are you? Why are you in this man? Come out of him. What do you want? That's the interview. And the demon, he's foaming at the mouth, shaking. You've all seen. Mm-hmm. What they're trying to do is get this personal history to understand what's motivating the spirit so as to better affect its removal. The goal of the interview, do you know what it is? To obtain the demon's name. It's to obtain the demon's name. Yes! Why do I want the demon's name? Don't you have power over it? Yeah, as soon as I have his name, 
Now I can cast him out. And that's the one thing he doesn't want to give me is his name. Horror movies get it right. They want the name of the demon because when I have his name, I have power over him. Yes, right? Do you know how awesome your rabbi is? Because he stood there right in front of the boat. And he said, come out of him, you unclean spirit. And he's like, what are you doing? Why don't you just leave me alone? This isn't your house. Go back to where you came from. What do you want with me? Please don't torment me. And Jesus said, what's your name? And look at what the guy says. Just, he can't. I just pictured this guy going, head shaking all over the place. And him just going, my name is Legion. Like he can't not say it. And he's so mad that he says, that he says it. But he has no power over this tiny little guy named Yeshua. He, so he says, my name's Legion. For we are many. That's why they call me Legion. How many is a Roman legion? 6,000. 6, now you and I think we come up with, humans come up with like scary monsters and stuff. And we got like, you know, a guy that can, I don't know, shoot fire out of his eyes or Jason or Freddy Krueger and they kill people with an ax. Guys, the demons must laugh at that kind of stuff and say, oh my gosh, that's so cheesy. What would you do if you saw a 6,000 headed demon? I think you'd cry and just roll up into a fetal position and start sucking your thumb. And you'd just start, you know, you'd just start like comforting yourself as you're rolling around. Like 6,000 demons in this guy, in this poor man. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. But Jesus tells this demon to come out of the man while he's still talking to him. And then Jesus just says, what's your name? It's no incantations. It's no vroom, vroom, this crescendo of more and more until finally the demon has to, he just says, what's your name? He says, my name is Legion. 6,000 demons in one man. The demon then begs Jesus to send them to the pigs. I don't think Jesus would, given, would have given them permission to go into another person. I'm, I'm positive he wouldn't have. I don't think in Jesus' humanity and his human nature, he knew necessarily that those demons would go into the pigs and that they would kill the pigs. But there's something else going on here. The pigs drown. None of you fell out of your chairs because... Pigs are excellent swimmers. You can throw a pig into a lake and it'll swim all the way back. They doggy paddle. They're awesome. They look like a hippopotamus in the water. They're fat, chubby little. And you push them down and they're full of fat. So they go, boing. They're just, they're just buoyant. And so I don't think Jesus thought, hey, I'll send these demons in to these pigs and the pigs will kill themselves. But look at what happens. What do the fish do? I mean the fish. What do the pigs do? They rush down the side of the cliff. How many pigs are there? 2,000. How many demons? That's three per pig. They rush down the, the cliff. They fly into the water and then they swim down, 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 down until they're out of oxygen and they start to die and they continue to swim down until they drowned. 
and then they all float up to the top and you've got 2,000, you can't even imagine 2,000 pig carcasses floating on the top of the Sea of Galilee. The stench, the sight, the horror. That's why they ran off to go tell the swine, the herds ran off to go tell those in the city and in the country what happened. Now, there's a picture here. What's the sky made of, if you're Hebrew? Water. Water. The void, that's the dry land. What's below us? Below the dry land. Water. So you've got this big ball of water in Genesis. God puts his hand in it and says, he creates a void. Water above, water below. There's a picture here. The Jews believe that the abyss is a gateway to the underworld. The abyss is always the deep. It's the sea. And Jews didn't have a very high view of the water. A lot of Jews were scared of the water because it's a gateway to the underworld. Below the underworld, that's where the demons live. So the picture is Jesus is sending the pigs back to hell. hell. He's sending the demons back to hell. He's telling the demons, go to hell. Go to hell right now. Now, whether he thought they would kill the pigs, I don't know. I have to do some more study on, Jesus knew that these pigs were the life livelihood of these pe- people in the Decapolis. I don't think he was out to bankrupt anybody and, and cause them to, to lose everything they'd worked for. I don't think so, but I have to figure out what's going on there. I know the herdsmen freak out and beg Jesus to leave. Wouldn't you? You just killed 2,000 pigs! Get out of here! I don't care! One stupid, crazed nut... You want to help him? That's great. But my gosh, look at the damage you've done. Like I can see them freaking out. They were angry because those people owned those pigs. But look at what the Bible says. Verse 13. So he gave them permission. They came out. They entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the hill into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city. Verse 15. And they came to Jesus. They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them, what had happened. Verse 17, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Please go home. And he said, look at it. Please just leave. I don't care. Just leave. Just leave, please. And verse 18, as he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. Let me go with you. Let me go with you, please. I don't have anything here. Let me go with you. But Jesus did not allow him. He said, no, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Now, three things I want to point out. Number one, what have we not seen Who have we not seen this entire story or heard? The disciples. Where are the disciples, by the way? They were in the boat. The disciples never got out of the boat. The entire story takes place and they stayed in the boat. Their rabbi got out of the boat and was met by a crazed lunatic. And I think they were scared. And they believed that they didn't have to be like their rabbi. I think there's a lesson there. Jesus is going to get out of the boat. And when he does and you decide, nope, 
I'm going to sit this one out. You're saying, I don't want to be like my rabbi. I don't think my rabbi can handle this because if I did, I'd be right behind him saying, yeah, what's your name? Yeah, where do you come from, huh? Come out of the man, like he said. That's what I'd be doing. They never got out of the boat. Jeez, and I condemn them. I say, man, those guys should have got... Do you get out of the boat every time, Mr. Dean? You gotta get out of the boat. Number two, that guy was sitting there clothed. Fully clothed and in his right mind. All 6,000 demons were gone. My question, where do you get the clothes? Think about it for a second. Did the swine herds bring a change of clothing for their good buddy, Mr. Demon-possessed guy? No, they couldn't stand the guy. You think the disciples maybe were so brilliant that even though they forget lunch and they don't even bring bread with them, you think they're going to remember to bring a change of clothes just in case they happen to run into somebody in the Decapolis that's naked? Jesus has a teaching. If anybody has two shirts, let them give to the one who has none. And if you have food, you should do the same. And I think Jesus lived out every single teaching that he ever gave. He's not a hypocrite. And I think Jesus took off his clothes, except for his underwear, and he clothed that bloody, scabbed, ugly, awful, stinky, smelly, terrible man in his clothes. And your rabbi wrote home in shame in his underwear so that that guy didn't have to be embarrassed. And the disciples are so, they don't know what to do with themselves. Jesus, please, here's my coat. And Jesus says, no, keep your coat on. It's fine. I'm okay. Hey, if this is embarrassing to you, look out there. But rabbi, you're in your underwear. He says, I know. And you know what? It's okay. Because that man is not feeling shame. And I'm willing to bear his shame because that's who I am. I'll take your shame. I'll take your shame. I'll take your shame because that's who I am. And yeah, I'm sitting in my underwear in my boat. That's fine. I love Jesus so much. He would give his clothes to a perfect stranger and say, I don't want you to be embarrassed. Let me do that for you. That's Jesus. Third thing, can I please go with you, sir? And Jesus says, no. Go home to your family and tell everyone you know how much the Lord has done for you. The guy does, by the way. End of the story. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Do you know what happens the next time Jesus comes into the Decapolis? He feeds 8,000 people. 4,000 men. Not counting women and children. I'd say 10. Where do 10,000 Gentiles who've never heard of Jesus in their life, why do they suddenly run out to a field and want to hear this guy's teaching? Who told them about Jesus? See, I think the man formerly possessed by the legion did what Jesus said and he proclaimed everywhere and those people went, you mean I could be free of my bondage? Yes. If he ever comes back, you got to hear him. Well, man, you're totally normal now. I mean, you got a shave and a haircut. You took a bath. That's great. And he says, you wouldn't believe what he can do. If he can do that for me, imagine what he can do for you. Well, my son's sick. He's got epilepsy. Well, my daughter's uh, sick. She's got cancer. Don't worry. He can heal anything. He can do anything. And when Jesus gets off the boat, 
I think the first guy that was waiting every morning for him, he's coming! And everybody says, and I just love that because he opened his mouth and he said, look what God's done for me. How about you? You tell everybody what God's done for you? Does that drive your every passion is to preach and proclaim how much God has done for you lately? Gee, Mr. Dean, I don't even think about that. I know, how much do you want to be like him? <sighs> this is hard. I know. I got Jonah to memorize. I know. And homework and a life and a rabbi to be like. I know. It's okay. Jesus, for some reason, thinks you can do it. I don't know why. He thinks I can do it too. I just love Jesus more than I've ever loved him before. And this story, in the Bible, awesome. Isn't this cool? Have you ever read these stories? Not like this. I know. Oh my gosh. Anyways, may the demons know your name, every one of you. Because in Acts, there's a story about the sons of Sceva, Jewish sorcerists, exorcists. And they came upon a demon. And they said, by the Jesus that Paul proclaims, we command you to come out of the man. And you know what the demon says to him? Oh, Jesus, we know. And Paul, we recognize. But who the beep are you? And they beat those guys so badly that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. One demon took on seven full-grown men and beat the crud out of them. So here's my charge to you. May the demons know your name. So when you say, out of that guy, they say, oh, I know Riley. Oh man, she's one of Jesus's. She's a Talmud. I'll do whatever she says. Oh, I know Jordan. Mm, yeah, I'm not messing with Jordan. All right. And also be covered in the dust of your rabbi.